0: Psalm 37 and verse 1. Psalm 37 and verse 1. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. It is not easy today to be a Christian. We live in a world which is generally antagonistic towards Christian truth. This psalm is designed to encourage us in such a situation. It is often a source of anxiety to the Christian that the wicked seem to prosper. They appear to have the upper hand in so many areas of life and they appear to practice their evil with impunity. Non-believers who ignore God's commandments often appear to do very well for themselves in this world. They may have many friends. They will often be in positions of influence. They may be much admired. And they will often be materially well off. The Christian can easily become distressed and perplexed by the apparent Triumph of unbelief all around him. And especially as he sees governments and the media and the educational system promoting sin and a God rejecting worldview. There is a temptation to despair as society becomes ever more immersed in spiritual darkness. And there is a temptation for us to just retreat into our churches and to adopt the attitude, well let the world get on with it. We'll just quietly worship God in this corner. But if we took that attitude. We would not. Be performing. The function which we are called to. Of being salt. And light. In an impure. And a dark world. We are told here. Not to fret because of evildoers. Not to fret because of all the unbelief around us. And so this psalm is dealing with this issue of why do the ungodly prosper? Why do they have so much influence this issue is also dealt with in Psalm 73 we read there in verse 3 of that Psalm Psalm 73 verse 3 I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked for there are no bands in their dash but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. Verse 12. Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. So the psalmist there is perplexed at the success Prosperity and pride of the ungodly. Why are they allowed to do so well and be so influential? He asks, whilst I am so afflicted. Now, if we look at our society today, the defiance of God. Is brazen and mainstream. The perpetual promotion, for example, of the LGBT agenda by government departments and by big business. You cannot walk into a supermarket. Without seeing that God rejecting agenda promoted. To believe the Bible is now deemed to be quirky or else fanatical. People scoff and ignore God's commandments with a positive glee thinking that they are more sophisticated by doing so biblical Christianity is freely dismissed as a relic of the past even in many churches it is actually fashionable not to be a Christian I actually remember talking to someone outside the door of the church here about a personal trading matter we were involved in and he said to me I can't believe I'm standing in front of a church talking to a minister this is not what cool people do nowadays And of course it is especially fashionable to reject the kind of Christian who upholds the Bible as the word of God and who talks about sin and judgment and God's wrath. These are fundamentalists It's strange how tolerant society is of fundamentalism when it is applied to another certain religion. But if Christians try and be fundamental, going back to their core teachings, that's extremism. The very term preaching has become a dirty word. Why are you preaching at me? How scared and even ashamed politicians are of asserting biblical morality. How men love their progressive, Christ-rejecting philosophy. how at home people feel in this post-Christian ever more Marxist world where secular wokery and political correctness reign supreme. And those who swim with the tide of unbelief frequently do well for themselves. They are the establishment. They are the media. They are the ones who will receive honours from the state. They are the ones who will be given knighthoods and elevated to the house of Lords. People feel at home in contemporary God-rejecting. Britain. To reject the Bible always gives a man the comfort, the feeling he's part of the mainstream. But what does God say about all of this? Exodus 23 verse 2. Exodus 23 verse 2. Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. This implies that there will always be more people who want to ignore God's commandments than who want to keep God's commandments. And the Bible tells us that people are like sheep easily led by the crowd. Consider how most people gave way to the permissive society which arose in the 1960s. When did you last hear a politician, or a church leader come to that, condemn outright sexual relations outside of marriage. It's sin. It's fornication. I was talking to a young man in Slough last week. He was quite shocked that I said such things. Everybody does it. It seems that people's outlook on life is simply determined by what most others are doing and by what they see in the media. Now, the Bible refers to the great mass of men who reject the Lord Jesus Christ under the generic title of the world. It's a very important biblical term, the world. The Holy Spirit employs a word depicting universality to describe non-believers in general. They are the world. And this is obviously because unbelief is so widespread and general. It's not just a few people who reject Jesus Christ. But the majority. Our Lord's disciples. Were definitely not part. Of their mainstream society. Because this is what the Lord said to them. In John 15. And verse 19. He said, if ye were of the world, the world would love its own. If ye were of the world, the world would love its own. And he also told them when he first called them in Matthew 10 and verse 22. Ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. Not you shall be thought of as that wonderful, kind, caring, compassionate person if you are a Christian. No, ye shall be hated of of all men for my name's sake. Our Lord described the call of the Christian gospel like this in Matthew 7 and verse 13. Enter ye in at the Straight Gate. S-T-R-A-I-T. Our English word straight means something very narrow. The Straits of Gibraltar. Narrow stretch of water. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. So we see around us today high-handed rejection of the Christian revelation amongst the majority of people. We see an almost universal disregard for biblical truth. And so it is easy for the true Christian to become despondent but the psalmist says here fret not thyself because of evil doers neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity despite this universality of unbelief there is no need for us to be despairing and dejected So David is saying here do not be overcome by distress at the apparent triumph of the ungodly. It is not a real triumph. Do not forget that God still governs his world and still reigns supreme. Remember that he in his Providence permits men to sin and to reject him. He providentially allows the wicked to prosper for a time. This is actually an aspect of his grace and mercy. Because he is long-suffering with sinful men, he could just immediately destroy them. So when the atheist says, why does God allow all the suffering in the world? Why does God allow men to be so evil to one another? Because he's merciful. He's not destroying them straight away. That's what they deserve. And he's not destroyed you straight away, although you deserve it. So, there are seasons when men appear to get away with all their sin. Now, another factor that we must remember is that those whom God permits to lead lives characterized by rejection of Him are also in His providence ripening themselves. For judgment. And this judgment will come mercilessly down. Upon the wicked. In God's perfect timing. So God's purposes are still being fulfilled. Even when the wicked appear. To prosper. Now God has made men to be rational creatures, moral agents. This is what distinguishes us from the animal world. We have a moral responsibility for our actions. We are not evolved animals. We are able to think True issues and make moral choices. You know, the, the lion in the open field does not think, is it morally right for me to kill that gazelle over there? If he's hungry, he kills it. But man is different. Now, tragically, Most men in a willful spiritual blindness make the wrong moral choices. Suppressing their God-given consciences and opposing God's gracious drawing of them. They deliberately choose sin and unbelief. Most modern people today in our society, for example, as we have stated, reject God's holy law regarding sexual relations outside of marriage. So this is a deliberate abusing of the moral responsibility given to each one. It's also a deliberate resisting of the Holy Spirit's work because God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance however those who just carry on ignoring God because looking at what most people around them are doing are actually storing up an inevitable judgment for themselves verse 2 For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. And so the wicked will meet what they deserve. They will receive a just recompense. And the righteous will be vindicated as the scoffing unbelievers are brought down and humiliated in God's Perfect timing. Now in the land where this psalm was written. Plants do not stay green for very long. The climatic conditions cause them quickly to wither. Their time of flourishing is very short lived. And so it is with the ungodly. They have their little day, but they shall soon wither up under the heat of God's anger. They are, in fact, merely ripening themselves for an eternal hell. People today love. To dignify themselves by constantly asserting their rights. This is my right. But what they lack is the humility to acknowledge the absolute rights of Almighty God, their Creator. And all need desperately to humble themselves before him. Psalm 90 verse 3. Before the mountains were brought forth. Or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world. Even from everlasting to everlasting thou art God. Thou turnest man to dust and sayest return ye children of man. You see, people do not realise that Almighty God is soon going to return them to the dust and pour out his anger upon them. And many churches are not warning people about that. God returns men to the dust from which he first created them. He does so at the moment of his own choosing that should humble man 1 Peter 1 verse 24 all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of grass the grass withereth the flower thereof fadeth away but the word of the Lord endureth forever. So the true believer must not be overcome with distress at the prosperity of the wicked because it is not a real prosperity. It is a fleeting moment of glory which conceals The wicked's real status. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Psalm 2 verse 4. Face them with the apparent prosperity of the wicked all around us. We must not fret. We must not despair. Nor must we be tempted to charge God with injustice for allowing such wickedness. We must never begin to question God's wisdom in how he governs the world. Nor must we be tempted to emulate the ways of the ungodly in the vain belief that this is the only way that we shall ever get on in the world nor must we be tempted to water down biblical truth arguing that this is the only way to get the world to start taking an interest in what we are saying we must not be overcome by discontentment but our own personal difficult circumstances. And at various times, we have to go through awful trials. Now, we need God's help through those trials. We need the help of our fellow believers. But we must not be overcome by the trials. And have a resentment that the ungodly are doing so well. We attend to our own responsibilities. God declares, yes, the wicked appear to prosper for a while. But you, for your part, believer, must remain obedient and trusting me. That's what God is saying. And so we read in verse 3 here. Trust in the Lord and do good. Do not envy the apparent success of the ungodly. Nor be tempted to emulate their methods. You for your part just keep on serving God. Pursuing holiness. The wicked's prosperity is fleeting and illusory. God is going to deal with them in his perfect timing. They will not get away with a single thing. I am governing the world, says the Lord. Your responsibility, as you see this world where wickedness triumphs, is to remain holy and And faithful. Do not be tempted to resort to the world's methods in retaliation against them. Never return evil for evil. Do your work as a faithful believer. God will do his work as the righteous judge. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land. Verse 3. The Israelites were often afflicted by enemies attacking them. but God has promised them safe possession of the promised land. If only they remain obedient. And so he says do good. Remain faithful. So shalt thou dwell in the land. Do not forfeit your continued possession of the land. But keep faithful to me no matter what the difficulties. Do not let the enemy make you vexed and overwhelmed. I will keep you safe in the land if you honour me. Now in this verse 3, the verb form for dwell in the original Hebrew is actually a command, an imperative. Dwell in the land by doing this. However, in Hebrew, the imperative is sometimes used for the future. Which is why our translators have rendered this, so shalt thou dwell in the land. God is saying, it is imperative that you continue to dwell in the land. It is imperative that you retain secure occupation of the promised land by being obedient. Because if you are not obedient, you will lose the land. And the Lord likewise says to true believers today in their distress at what is happening in the world keep faithful do good remain obedient and you will carry on as a citizen in my kingdom you have safe possession of the kingdom but you must stay faithful you must not compromise with the world do not succumb to the world's pressure do not compromise with their standards the kingdom is yours they cannot take it from you but you for your part must trust in the Lord and do good you must carry on proclaiming biblical truth a lost society which does not want to hear that truth trust in the Lord and do good so shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed faithful believers will be spiritually fed they will be sustained by the Lord the word verily refers to the faithfulness of God verily thou shalt be fed you can be sure that God will be faithful the wicked are prospering but your task is to trust in the Lord do good and remain obedient no one wants to hear the Christian gospel anymore They're all far too sophisticated. But your task is to go and preach it. Not to scurry away into a corner. And just sing some Christian songs. God will remain faithful to us. And will sustain us. He is working out all things according to his perfect will. Nothing happens by chance. Think of Christians undergoing far more severe persecution than we are currently enduring in this land. How might they be tempted to despair? How easy it would be in such circumstances to stop trusting in the Lord. To cease from doing good. This was the real danger for the first century Jewish believers in Jesus Christ. The Hebrews. That's why we read from Hebrews earlier on. They were being tempted to return to Judaism because of the fierceness of the opposition to them. They were having their businesses shut down. They were losing their earthly possessions. So great was the opposition to them as Christians. And so they have to be told, Hebrews 10 verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. You see, some were forsaking the meetings of the church. Because to be identified as a follower of Christ was becoming so difficult. But you know, to survive in the Christian life, we need one another. It's the only way to survive. We need to hear the Word of God expounded. We need the mutual support of God's people because we're part of a body. It's a blessing. To meet together. Not an onerous duty. And we need it. Forsake not the assembling. Of yourselves together. And so the Hebrew Christians. Were warned. That they were in danger. Of bringing themselves back under the wrath of God. If they now desert the Lord Jesus Christ because of all the pressure. And so, the message for them and the message of this psalm is the same trust in the Lord, do good, and remain in the fellowship of God's true people, no matter what the difficulties. We live in a hostile world, but God says, Do not despair. Do not be overcome by the wicked's great numbers. They will soon be cut down like the grass. Their prosperity is fleeting. Our responsibility is to remain faithful. Even in the midst of persecutions. And even in the midst of many personal trials. Trust in the Lord. Keep obedient and you will dwell in the land. You will remain as worthy citizens of the kingdom of God. Lord, help each one of us to remain faithful as we live in this Christ-rejecting world. Amen.